Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Here, engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, I'm Rhonda Pick, Managing Editor of Poultry Health Today. With me is Dr. Mark Jackwood. He's head of the Department of Population Health at the University of Georgia. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Rhonda. I know you're a noted expert uh, in the area of infectious bronchitis globally. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit today about surveillance. Uh, this is a very important disease uh, globally, but also in our U.S. market from a respiratory disease standpoint. Um, and a lot of times we'll run into situations where cross-protection with multiple things are very important when you get into it. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit more about how do you, you know, surveil for infectious bronchitis. Right. So surveillance is probably one of the most important things that we can do to control this particular disease. The main reason is that we have a lot of different types of the virus circulating in the poultry industry and they don't cross protect. So if we don't know what's out there, we don't know which vaccines to pull off the shelf to use to be able to protect our poultry. Okay. And what are some best practices from a practical standpoint of doing surveillance? So one of the issues with this particular virus is once the birds are infected, the virus is not around for very long. So hitting that window of opportunity, if you will, when the virus is present and taking those samples at that particular point can sometimes be a challenge. So timing is everything. We, we like to go into a flock and take a minimum of 25 samples uh, per house. And uh, we want to do that uh, taking samples from both sick birds as well as apparently healthy birds. And in that way, we'll try to, to catch this um, a window of opportunity, if you will, of when the virus is present in high enough concentrations to be able to detect it. Okay, so you want to just also have a, a baseline involved by collecting information on the healthy birds? Well, the healthy birds, although they're not showing clinical signs quite yet, they will be infected with a virus. And so what we see is we see the virus reaching a, a very high peak and tighter within the bird actually before we see clinical signs. Okay. So once we see clinical signs, the virus is starting to go away at that point and we may be too late to actually catch it. So that's why we say we want to get samples from healthy birds as well as from birds that are showing clinical signs so we can try to hit that window of opportunity. And I know with the infectious bronchitis virus, it's known to be pretty fragile compared to other types of viruses. So how does that impact things you need to think about as part of your surveillance process? So very important, very important. The, the virus is an envelope virus and it's an RNA virus. It's very easily destroyed. That's the good news. Um, almost any soap or disinfectant will work against it. Uh, heat is another uh, factor that can inactivate the virus very, very easily. So these are things we need to consider when we take samples from the birds. What we found is taking a swab from the coanal cleft or the, the, the slit in the roof of the mouth is the easiest, particularly in a, on a poultry house where there's low lighting. It's not real easy to hit the trachea. And we found that Coanal cleft swabs uh, are almost identical to tracheal swabs. And once we take that swab and put it into transport media, that needs to stay cold. It needs to stay ice cold, at least ice cold, until it gets back to the lab when we test it. Uh, frozen is even better. 
So if it warms up the room temperature for any period of time, even if it's a very short period of time, it'll destroy the virus. The RNA will be gone and we won't be able to detect anything. So maintaining that cold chain from the time we take the sample, we t tell folks to take the cooler into the chicken house. Okay, yep. Any other best practices you think of as far as people doing surveillance, uh, maybe things that aren't done right or, or myths that you'd like to, to bust on that front as far as um, advice you have for people? Well, like I said, it's, it's the window that we're trying to hit that is the, the hard part with infectious bronchitis virus. And we have really good diagnostic tests now, which are we're super sensitive, but we still, you know, by the time clinical signs show up in these birds, a lot of times it's a bacterial infection that's come in and caused the even increased signs. And then that's when the producer sees it and that's when we go out to look at it. So what, what we tell folks to do is, you know, go to the house that's affected, but also go to the neighboring houses and take samples from there as well. Maintain that cold chain, get the samples back to the lab as, as quickly as possible. That's probably the most important things that we can do. The other thing that we do recommend also is that you can pull samples to help with um, the ability to be able to reduce your costs and also probability of detecting a positive, but then there's diminishing returns with that too. So we like to pull uh, five samples, certainly no more than 10 in a, in a single tube. And we're talking about a, a cotton swab in at least three mils of, of transport media is what we like to use. Okay. And how are people using sentinel birds as part of their detection process? So that is a really great tool to use uh, because when we place sentinel birds in the flock, that day is the day we count that they got infected. So then we can come back five days later and take samples from those sentinel birds. And then we recommend coming back 10 days after they've been placed and take samples from those sentinel birds. That's the ideal window from the time they get infected to be able to detect the virus. The other thing you can do with sentinel birds is you can vaccinate those birds before you actually put them in the house. So let's say that we've got a company who's on a Massachusetts and, a, and a, an Arkansas vaccine program, but they've got sick birds. So let's vaccinate our sentinels with Arkansas and with Massachusetts so that we're not going to pick up those vaccine viruses. Knockout. Now those knockout. birds are immune okay. to what could potentially be there that we actually put there is in the way of a live vaccine. And then whatever the variant virus happens to be will then infect those sentinel birds and we'll be able to pick that up much easier. You need to maintain those SPF birds in a, um, a clean environment while they're being vaccinated and developing that immunity. If, if that's the way you're going to go. So it, it, it is very expensive. Usually we like to go into a flock and take a number of samples uh, from a number of different houses on that particular farm and try that approach first. That's the quickest and easiest way. Sentinels require some planning ahead of time. Okay. Yeah, But we got some variant viruses out there that are indeed very difficult. And sentinels sometimes are the only way we can find them. So if you're doing surveillance and you know, you're actively monitoring, how many different strains are you typically seeing? There can be anywhere from one to you know, four or half a dozen strains floating around in, the, the, in poultry at any given time. And you know, I'll use the example of in, in Georgia right now, we have four viruses that are floating around, uh, variant viruses. Uh, so which one of those might be in a given area, it changes. 
and the moving picture's target. constantly moving. That's exactly right. So what we find in North Georgia, you know, this spring may not be the same virus that's going to be in North Georgia in the fall. And another one is there. And now the one that was in the, you know, North Georgia in the spring is now somewhere else in the fall. So it, that moving target requires that we do surveillance constantly with these birds. And, and it sounds like it's a complicated uh, target to hit with your vaccination programs then too, if, if you have that much change over that's time. Right. So what are people doing on that front to build a successful program? So we know that, that if we give more than one type of infectious bronchitis vaccine, that we can get cross protection. Okay? But the right combination of commercially available vaccines is what is the difficult part to predict. And you can't just say, okay, this variant virus that we have, it's relatively similar genetically and, 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 and antigenically to a vaccine virus that we have. Let's you know, try that one first. That's a logical approach to do that, but we still may not get complete protection. But if we combine a couple different vaccines together, we may get a broader immune response that we can actually get better protection that way. You'll have to actually do the vaccine challenge studies in the laboratory to show that it actually will protect. Can I make one more comment about surveillance too though? Because we do what we call passive surveillance and active surveillance. We're constantly doing passive surveillance. Things that come into the diagnostic laboratory at the Poultry Diagnostica Research Center in, at the University of Georgia gets monitored for if this is a respiratory disease, is it bronchitis virus? And if it is, which one is it? But then when we start to see a pattern where we're seeing one particular isolator, we're seeing a group of, of variant viruses that are routinely coming in, then we go to active surveillance, where we'll actually go out into the field, into those areas, and survey a, a wide area to find out how widespread is this and how big of a problem is it actually causing our industry. What time of year are you doing more active surveillance? Winter. Yeah, and actually the transition period in the fall and, and in the spring where we have big swings in temperature, where in Georgia it might be you know 75, 80 degrees in the middle of the day, but it's gone down to 40 degrees at night. So, and it's hard to you know manage poultry houses when we have big temperature swings like that. And consequently, we see a lot of respiratory uh, during those times. So fall, spring, and of course, winter. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.